The Birth Circle podcast features experts in all the nuanced areas of pregnancy, birth, and postpartum with the aim of helping women make the choices that will keep them safe, healthy, and empowered. We respect all birth choices and believe in supporting informed consent and evidence-based practices. Nothing said on this podcast should be taken as medical advice. You should always seek the advice of a competent professional for your care. Welcome to the Birth Circle podcast. with Birth Circle. And this week, I'm very excited to have Tamara Hiller with me. And this is so cool to me. She's in Portugal right now. I'm in the United States. And I just love how technology allows us to bring this incredible information from all over the world. I, I, I just love it every time we podcast internationally. So um, Tamara is a professional herbalist. She's a member of the American Herbalists Guild and is working in the, and has been working in the health field for over 23 years. Um, she's a licensed midwife in Germany. She helps people improve their health, address chronic health issues with medicinal herbs and natural healing methods, including herbal support for uh, preconception, fertility, pregnancy, and beyond through online one-on-one -on -one consultations. She also teaches herbalism to doulas and midwives. Tamara has lived for 10 years in Brazil, where, where living community life in a native forest taught her a lot about self-sufficiency, plants, and taking health care into your own hands all of which she has always advocated for. She's an extensive, she has extensive academic training in Ayurvedic, Chinese, and Western herbalism and lives with her family in Portugal. So thank you so much. I mentioned you are in yeah. Portugal. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Very cool. Okay, so first of all, what got you into this field? I mean, you woke up one day and you're like, I'm going to be a midwife? Or <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I was pretty disappointed, you know, in school, the, the, the choices for a job, it, it, nothing was interesting me really, you know, and um, I mean, I have always been kind of a bit the wise woman among my friends, you know, if there was any issue about fertility or contraception or things like that I had the really you, know, you were, were healthy <laughs> about yeah about the natural and very alternative methods of what are you doing on Friday me? night I'm hanging out with my friends and teaching them about their cycles <laughs> yeah awesome. sure exactly yeah. so yeah I just naturally became an expert in that and when I um, became to, to know about what a midwife does, I was like, oh, yeah, this is actually, yeah, what interests me. No? It sounds like a really hands-on job where you can actually help women to, uh, yeah, take their, their health care you know, into their own hands and have a say in it. And, uh, I mean, it's, it's not a phase of life, you know, um, that has, that is, mm, you know, it's not, it's not an illness or something. No? It's a natural process. I like that. And just, yeah, being supportive during this natural process in life to women that, yeah, I found that really interesting, yeah. I love it. I love it. And so midwifery in Germany is very different. So you you practice in a hospital or do you do home births no. or combination? Yeah, I did my, my years of studies and completed everything. And this included to being in a, in a big uh, university a hospital. I saw many births and, of course, also many high-risk births. And I always knew in my heart that I want to go into home births right away or as soon as possible. And I found a really nice group of midwives. Uh, yeah, we could work together. You know, we always had a second midwife during the birth also. So it was great to, to go into home birth midwifery from the beginning and also doing all the courses and the visits. Like Germany has a really solid health uh, system in that sense, you know, that women don't have to pay extra for their home birth or uh, courses, um, pelvic floor training after birth and all that. So yeah, my job was kind of driving around, visiting pregnant women and women after birth at home and taking care of them, seeing if the baby is growing, helping with breastfeeding and all that. And then having like two, three home births a month, which is already a lot yeah. because you have to be available at all times, of course. No? So a big part was also the care in pregnancy yeah, yeah everything before and after yeah I like the style of yeah having kind of my my own flow of work during yeah. the day so yeah. are you still a, a practicing midwife then no I'm not actually I worked for like five six years really a lot and I got burned out and I mm -hmm. know I, I needed a break from that I was also pretty young you know I didn't have like husband and family to come home to and recharge and yeah for being so young it was a pretty intense job being on call all the time yes. I had to go on a home birth at night on the weekends it was never a free time so I decided to take a year off 
which turned into forever kind of <laughs> <laughs> got it and now um, you're doing the herbalism so yeah I, I I traveled a lot I left Germany actually I haven't been there in many many years now I live in southern Europe and I lived for 10 years in Brazil and uh, I did I was related to birth and midwifery and I did a couple of births here and there also in Guatemala in a project and so I kind of traveled and was always connected to my job uh, but yeah, I never you can never, you can never take the midwife out of a midwife, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, not really, yeah. Exactly. Okay. So herbal, um, herbal medicine is not an alternative form of medicine. It, please elaborate on that. Yeah. Herbalism. I would say it's not, uh, I don't like to call it alternative medicine because of course, natural healing, including medicinal herbs, this is our primal method of yeah. healing. This is what humans have been using since the dawn of time, since, uh, you know, since it all began. People have always, people were always herbalists. As humans, we are naturally herbalists. That means we use medicinal herbs, uh, yeah, for our health, to stay healthy and to treat certain conditions. So this is our primal medicine. So I don't like the term alternative, you know, I usually mm -hmm. say natural medicine and modern medicine. So then it becomes clear, you know, modern medicine is kind of the add-on, let's say. No, it's not yeah, that. it is it's the add-on. Yeah, alternative medicine, you know, some people call it complementary, but, you know, it's not that it can replace um, modern medicine, you know, we, of course, we can do great things with modern medicine, but there's also many things that modern medicine can't do at all, and we need herbs and our diet and, and other things to keep us healthy. And yeah, traditional healing systems have this wider concept, yeah, like in Ayurveda or Chinese traditional medicine, you know, there's always this focus on improving your health. Uh, whereas in modern medicine, you know, you go to the doctor when you're really sick, when it's already too late, you know, you need mm -hmm. surgery for something or pharmaceuticals, it's already kind of too late to get back into balance in a more natural way. You know? So those are systems, yeah, they kind of complement each other, but I would say modern medicine can complement the natural healing and not the other way around. Yeah. So I just want to add a really quick disclaimer. There's already one on the podcast, but this um, obviously isn't medical advice. So please don't take anything she says as medical advice, but I do, Tamara, I want to go really deep into these specific herbs that you know so much about in, in regards to their specific uses in the whole conception, um, birth, postpartum cycle. So starting in the preconception fertility time period, what are some of the herbs that are really useful or dangerous during that time? Um, yeah, so, you know, preconception, it's actually the most important thing would be to really nourish and build your body. Yeah, and also kind of get, try to address everything that that bothers you, you know, maybe there are allergies or a, a digestive problem, something, something that you wouldn't even go to a doctor for that is just you had it forever, you know, maybe you have frequent headaches and migraines or just, you know, tension headaches, just try to optimize your health in any way you can. I think this is the best basis uh, before getting pregnant. And this includes you know taking your omega-3 and some b vitamins some magnesium like some basic basic nutrients where many people most people are deficient in those nutrients that i just mentioned yeah vitamin mm -hmm. d is also one of them so it's good you know maybe get a test see if you are low in iron um and just address everything get your nutrients filled up take some herbs you know very general you know most of the medicinal herbs that you would buy in a store or in a supermarket in normal doses uh they they can be taken they have no kind of warnings attached so only if you go deeper into specific herbs for uh, issues that are a bit more difficult to address you know you would come into a zone um of really yeah having to watch out for for side effects but you know most like most uh, food like herbs mineral rich herbs you know nettle tea um, like long infusions of mineral rich herbs can really build up the body and just give you more nutrients this is just a notch up from superfoods you know we have our diet we have superfoods which just means like special foods that are so high in antioxidants or flavonoids or something amazing you know and then we have medicinal herbs it's just a notch up Mm, uh, I like them, that. You know, yeah, I like that. Of, yeah, that nourish it can give you the nourishment and balance out certain things. You know, maybe you need to, to take something to relax in the evening, like a nice relaxing tea, chamomile, skullcap, lemon balm. There's many choices. Valerian, those would all be 
safe even in pregnancy or for nursing moms. Those, those have been used forever and they, they have been so successful, um, especially because they are practically not non-toxic. And they, you know, of, of mm -hmm. all the use, maybe we don't have studies and you find, I have always the other, the, the problem the other way around, you know, it's not so much that women get into dangerous waters and take some herbs that are dangerous, but it's more like that women read on the internet warnings that mm -hmm. are not rooted in science, you know, I mean, there is a warning on everything like, oh, we don't know if this and that herbs, it has never been tested to be safe in pregnancy. Of course, yeah, there have not been scientific tests of all the herbs if they are safe in pregnancy and safe for the baby and safe in breastfeeding. But we have hundreds of years, thousands even of safe use of those herbs. So people would have noticed, you know, if uh, women taking a, a certain herb uh, have a miscarriage or whatever. And of some herbs, we know that, and those are the herbs to stay away from, like pennyroyal or, you know, like strong amenogogues, amenogogues meaning uh, it brings blood to the uterus no, and could uh, help sometimes just to bring the menses on, but could, of course, in the early um, oh. months, potentially create a problem. But we have more the other problem, you know, that all herbs that have ever been named an amenogogue, and this could be pretty mild herbs that are just, you know, a little, tiny bit stimulating, that doesn't mean if an herb brings your menstruation on, that it would cause uh, a miscarriage if you're pregnant. This is not the same, you know? We have stronger herbs that could potentially do that and milder herbs that are more like regulating for the uterus and the hormones or everything. Yeah, mm -hmm. in that sense, no? Yeah. Or for example, yeah, the general recommendation, you know, are in pregnancy, you can't take laxative herbs. Yes, you should not take a high dose of something very strongly laxative, but there are mild laxatives and there are many that are totally suitable in pregnancy or before or, or after and all in this whole period. So, you know, I have more the problem that, you know, if you go to the internet and ask, is a certain herb safe in pregnancy, you get the warning, this has never been tested and evaluated and this yes, and that. Yes, yes. And women are panicking just because they drank some hibiscus tea or, or something, you know? Yeah, <laughs> so yeah. Well, I, just to speak to that, I, uh, I know a doctor that says, um, you know, if you have a miscarriage, um, do you want to let it pass naturally or do you want to go ahead and do an herbal DNC? And I'm like, uh, yeah, you can do an herbal DNC. He's like, yeah, I can, I can help a woman's body pass the, pass the stuff yeah. <laughs> faster yeah. with herbs then. And then she doesn't have to go undergo a DNC and he has great success. Of course, he's not going to do that if it's a viable pregnancy, but that's, yeah, as you're saying, I was like, oh yeah, I do. I, I know that doctor and he's pretty proud of his, uh, his herbal DNCs. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Ooh. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, and you can of course herbs can be dramatic and very effective mm -hmm. but usually you know it's not the everyday herbs that you find uh, no no his was body. no he yeah, he would so. prescribe like they were his herbs they were his yeah he, right. <laughs> he yeah. would not just you would not find what he used on the in the regular health yeah. food department exactly. yeah yeah so how about um uh how about for um like heartburn, what what types of teas? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, yeah, heartburn, uh, yeah, very common issue. I like aloe gel, you know, from the aloe vera plant. And this is also something, you know, the outer green part of the aloe vera leaf is a strong laxative. So this should be avoided, but the inner gel is very good and nourishing. It's a traditional remedy also from Ayurveda. It also increases fertility. It's often used for fertility treatment in Ayurveda aloe mm. gel so um yeah just try to find like a food grade like because there's topical aloe preparations but also some to drink so good would be the pure gel that is usually kind of liquefied in a bottle sometimes you get it frozen like just try to get the best quality 100 percent aloe gel and you can just drink it and drink yeah drink it during the day for heartburn and yeah, you, i think this, this if you have an recipe. aloe if you have an aloe vera plant at home could you take a a a yeah. leaf and take the skin off and blend it up in a smoothie yeah, exactly absolutely yeah oh. take the skin off so the green part has to be taken off if not it's a very strong laxative and can, can, could cause trouble this is one example you know on lists herbs to avoid in pregnancy you find aloe but it refers only to this green outer part which is a strong laxative and the gel is totally fine to take well sometimes in pregnancy you have pretty bad constipation so then could you take it for the constipation or then are you worried about 
the yeah you could you could but i prefer a bit milder laxatives um, uh, I mean, if you know how to dose it if you've taken it before it. but it's not something i recommend uh, casually because yeah it could be too strong and we have milder laxatives you know i would always first include more fiber in the diet some psyllium flaxseed uh, some prunes or something and then there's ayurvedic remedy i use it often it's called trifala trifala is a combination like it's in, in powder form it's a combination of three different dried fruits and it has a mild laxative action but it's really it's it's good for you know for children elderly and pregnancy it's very mild and it's very it, it works really well you can basically just find out the dose you know always start with a little and then you go up a bit and see what it, effect it gives you and mm -hmm. yeah this is my first laxative for pregnancy yeah. perfect and what about morning sickness because nothing seems yeah. to touch that <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. Those are really, those are the best examples that you're giving here to, you know, to treat with natural remedies, because there is not much uh, from a modern medicine standpoint, you know, or, or only if those issues get really severe, then of course, you know, you should uh, seek medical advice. But the normal um, morning sickness and nausea in pregnancy, uh, what helps really well is ginger. You can just slice the ginger root and make a tea, or maybe you want to kind of nibble and suck on some candied ginger that you could just have in your pocket and, and you have it easily ready. Um, ginger powder is a bit more hot in nature, so there you have to be a bit more careful with the dose, but uh, I like the candied ginger, maybe just ginger pieces to suck on. I think that mm. works really well. And also cold helps sometimes. So I, I like to make some ice cubes out of chamomile tea or peppermint tea or a mixture of a herbal tea that you like the flavor of. And then you can just, yeah, uh, suck on an ice cube or put it in a drink. So this helps sometimes the, the cold uh, calms down this um, vomiting reflex, let's say. Mm. Yeah, this is a good one. Yeah, the and sometimes reflex. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> yeah. If, there, if the reason is, you know, the mom is maybe nervous and uh, also herbs that can calm you down can be really helpful. So this would be also chamomile or lemon balm, uh, like mild herbs that then can relax and calm you down also help with the nausea. So I've heard that um, nausea is a lot of times a blood sugar problem for pregnancy. So then are these also uh, herbs that help with blood sugar regulation or would, a, would an herb that helps with yeah. blood sugar regulation then help with that nausea? Yeah, it depends. Um, there it's, it's, of course, better to just eat regularly. So the blood sugar issue, this means just that uh, you get more nausea if you have an empty stomach and if you haven't eaten for a long time. So for some women, it helps, you know, if they eat small snacks during the day and um, that can help with the, to balance the blood sugar. But yes, in general, herbs can regulate blood sugar. But in pregnancy, this is more an issue, you know, that you can't eat too much at a time. Maybe you have to mm -hmm. split up over the day. So there I would concentrate more on the snacks and some healthy, healthy snacks during the day, whatever makes you feel more comfortable. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, how about uh, immunity? Uh, you know, if you get a cold or you're trying to avoid a cold or a flu while you're pregnant, because some of those Tylenol and the, the, the powerful over the counters, um, a lot yeah. of women are nervous to take those. Yeah, this is a question I get also very often um, because, yeah, of course, people don't want to take um, unnecessary pharmaceuticals or some, yeah, that can be avoided, let's say. Um, so it depends on the situation. You know, we have herbs that can uh, just stop a cough during the night, for example, if you're coughing and you just want to sleep in peace and you can't because you're coughing, you know, you can make some anise seed tea. So Ooh. this is not star anise. Yeah, this is the other anise that looks more like the fennel a fennel or cumin seed it's in the same family anise seeds they're a bit smaller than fennel seeds so you can just crush them freshly like grind them in a coffee grinder or something or brew a tea out of them i just put them in my mouth sometimes and swallow them down or chew them a little and swallow them down and it really works well there is a certain dose like start with a teaspoon but maybe you need two or three or a full tablespoon of the anise seed and it's very mild it has also a good effect on the digestion and it really stops the annoying cough reflex for a while so wow. this is an example you know you can stop anything with herbs you know you can help with sleep or pain for me when i'm sick sleep is a big issue because you know you just want to sleep peacefully and really get a good night full of sleep you can try a pinch of nutmeg in some warm milk that helps oh that sleep sounds amazing <laughs> yeah yeah <laughs> 
oh yeah. maybe i'll sleep well tonight yeah. that's, that's really awesome effective. yeah just grind wow. some fresh nutmeg a little bit into some warm milk warm or something milk. and mm -hmm. that's a great thing yeah to relax and I then know, of course yeah, americans don't do a warm milk very often it's not like part of our culture but i know uh, my swiss my swiss great aunt she would always prepare a cup of warm milk or my grandma would say go make some warm milk and um yeah that's but it's not super common in the united states yeah yeah the milk the milk in itself is actually a remedy also from my grandma there is some substances in the milk that help you calm and calm down and relax so milk but it's actually if it's warmed milk it does something to the milk that makes it more calm i can't remember but there's yeah yeah there's like a scientific reason that it needs to be warm <laughs> not yes, cold yes, yes, but, yes i think so yeah. yeah but you know you can make an oat milk or plant-based milk or whatever or just make a tea like a chai tea uh, mm. with some nutmeg in it you can take it in many forms you could grate the nutmeg over your food or just small amounts that's a very effective herb but yeah it calms you really down no? or some chamomile tea valerian root lavender even uh, those are all nice options just to calm down so yes, sleep is a, is a big one if you're sick. And of course you can work on your immunity. The best thing is of course to avoid getting sick. And there are many supplements that can help. I really like the vitamin D and some vitamin C, zinc, omega-3, all of those are pretty effective. And it's something uh, you can't trust, you know, that you get enough in your prenatal multivitamin. So sometimes you need the magnesium extra and the omega-3 extra, the vitamin D. Uh, of those, usually a normal multivitamin is not enough. Mm, and you can sense. also, yeah, use uh, herbs to strengthen the immune system directly. We have the astragalus root from Chinese medicine. You can buy the root pieces or in powder form and just make a tea out of it root pieces you would have to uh, cook for a while like really boil them for half an hour but it's a nice taste you can incorporate this into soups or cook rice with the the water like the tea you get so it's a it's a very pleasant taste uh, and you can easily incorporate that in your food or just drink it put a little um, vegetable broth or something in it it has like this broth like uh, flavor a bit and echinacea is also safe in pregnancy uh, this can be taken also, maybe you find uh, a preparation like some uh, in tablet form, in capsule form, in tincture form. There are non-alcoholic tinctures also available. So you could make a tea of the root pieces. Yeah, we have many options. Wow, cool. How about anemia? Well, yeah, iron. anemia is also yeah, a big issue. Uh, many women suffer from their iron um, tablets that they are taking because often it's a form of iron that is not so absorbable and can cause some tummy problems. Mm -hmm. But it's also tricky, you know, if you are already anemic, I would go with the iron supplement uh, instead of trying with herbs because it will take longer and we don't mm. have that time. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, but please check that the iron supplement that you are taking uh if it's the i don't know i think the ferrous sulfate and all those those are the more likely ones to cause tummy problems but still those are the most likely ones to be prescribed through a doctor but we also have the iron bisglycinate or iron glycinate which where the iron is bound to an amino acid and it's way better absorption and it doesn't cause those tummy issues so usually oh. in that yeah, I go with the with the supplement and not with herbs, uh, because we just don't have that much time. And you know, you you want your iron levels in the correct space. If not, you get tired in pregnancy, and there are certain risks also for birth involved. But of course, you know, always have a balanced diet. Like dried fruits and molasses have a lot of iron, and uh, of course, vegetables, meat, and everything. So, if you can get some of those into your diet, great. But just, yeah, treat your anemia efficiently. That's important. So, yeah. Yeah, cool. How about blood pressure? As I know, uh, blood pressure is a big deal for some some women as they get, um, it's really yeah. dangerous. It can result in the baby coming too early or, or really bad things for the mom. So are there herbs that can help with that? Yeah, blood pressure and pregnancy is a bit more complex issue, you know, if a person is not pregnant, and you have all too high or too low blood pressure, we have easy and reliable medicines that we can use. But it doesn't help in pregnancy so much to just bring the blood 
blood pressure down kind of symptomatically, you know, it's always a symptom of something that something is happening in the body. You know, if the, if the blood pressure goes up in the, in the last trimester, especially it's an indicator of something bigger going on. So you would have to monitor several things in the body. And usually the problem is we run out of time. So, um, it would be, you know, the best thing would be to just go into pregnancy in the best state, you know, nutrient wise and diet wise and uh, not having too much stress. And all those things are factors that contribute to getting uh, a, a syndrome of complications like that, that would involve mm -hmm. the high blood pressure. Yeah. So we can do the best work actually before conception or during pregnancy, just taking care of yourself, healthy diet and herbs that kind of balance and strengthen and tonify you. But I don't have a magic pill, you know, there's not something you can take and then immediately um, this would go away because it's a part of a bigger thing that's going on. It so, definitely is. Well, sometimes though, preeclampsia is kind of hard to pinpoint what it is. Is it the placenta? Is it, the, you know, what it, you know, people have our time yeah. figuring out what causes it. It's just really dangerous. Okay, so now uh, when you're 50,000 weeks pregnant and you're so done being pregnant and you want that baby to come out, <laughs> I'm going to hear what you said. And then in my mind, I'm going to check what I actually took and see if that was a good idea. But what are some, what are some of the, yeah, the herbs that can bring on labor that are, uh, yeah. that can bring them on in, when it's time to bring it on? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's a tricky question. Um you know, before uh, women, midwives and women have used castor oil for to induce labor. There is uh, documented, you know, several cocktails that include castor oil, which basically causes a big bowel movement and somehow this stimulates uh, labor. But it's it's un, we do, don't really know if it has an effect on the uterus, if it can overstimulate in some cases. So it's problematic. I know that many colleagues and midwife friends have a bit stayed away from from it and we're usually trying milder things first like nipple stimulation you know you can have sex with your partner this also can stimulate labor uh, evening primrose oil to ripen the cervix it can be inserted into the vagina or you could also take it uh, so there are many uh, milder options let's say the stripping of the membranes this is of course something a trained midwife could do and yeah herbs wise yeah Take a higher dose of your red raspberry leaf tea. Yeah, there we go. I heard red raspberry leaf. Yeah, mm -hmm. exactly. So I, I hope I recommend to all women, you know, you can drink the red raspberry leaf tea. It's really uh, the one pregnancy herb that is tonifying to the uterus. It makes the contractions uh, more effective. It can shorten the birth. It can even reduce postpartum bleeding. And it has benefits that are really also shown in scientific studies. And of course, we have hundreds if not thousands of years of traditional use of the red raspberry leaf tea and then just up your dose in the end let's say yeah so in in the weeks leading to birth you can already uh, increase your dose and if you are close to your date or over overdue you can just up the dose you know you could easily take up to 30 grams of the herb if you weigh it out and you make a strong infusion you put boiling water on the herb but really let it sit for one two three hours or even overnight so you extract all the minerals and all the goodness in the herb and it is still a mild um, remedy you know it's not going to cause anything well i was gonna say you can take it through your, uh, your whole pregnancy not worrying that it's going to cause yeah. a miscarriage but it because it's just tones and strengthens the uterus so that when it's time to push baby out then it's healthier right or it's more effective yeah. like you said yeah Exactly. What about the cohoshes? <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. You know those those are more uh, American herbs. Let's say they in in Europe they they have been used also, but um, yeah. You know I have personally not worked with those so much. I use them for other hormonal issues outside of pregnancy, more like menopause and mm. other. Issues. I use them a lot, but. In, in the time when I was practicing, yeah, we didn't, I used it myself, actually, I took like a herbal combination in my pregnancy for the last two months or something, was it, it, it contained some cohoshes, I think, uh -huh. so yeah, I think this is also, you know, we have the studies, uh, no, we don't have many studies, but we have the actual experience and the actual traditional use of those herbs, I know they are controversial, this is probably why many midwives are staying away from it. But, you know, they're still safer than having an induction or 
a cesarean or something, if you really need to get things going, yeah. then yeah, you can definitely work with some of those more uh, yeah, potent herbs, let's say, under yeah. supervision. Yeah. Under supervision. <laughs> yeah. Don't don't go to the grocery store and get yourself some blue or black collage and just go to town with it. Okay, so any other herbs for labor, um, both starting labor, during labor? Um, yeah, let me think. Um, cramp bark? Yeah, cramp bark. Cramp bark is excellent. Uh, it can help with, uh, you know, if you have a threatening miscarriage and you want to calm things down. Oh, okay. Cramp bark very... relaxes your uterus. Exactly. It relaxes. So it can also help, you know, if you have an imminent or whatever you are in this situation of maybe having a, a miscarriage in early pregnancy, you could avoid it with cramp bark. And during birth, it can relax the cervix. So it, it wouldn't stop uh, the la labor. But sometimes we want to give the woman a bit more relaxation that the baby's head can turn and flex and all that come down, that the cervix can open. Cramp bark can be very useful but for, you, for that. And it's also a very safe herb. So yeah, there shouldn't be a problem with that. Yeah. Okay. And then how about um, postpartum bleeding? Yeah, so if the bleeding uh, occurs, uh, you know, we're talking about right after birth, the placenta is in or out. It depends. Of course, this is a situation always needs attention through a midwife or doctor. And uh, we all, you also have available effective pharmaceuticals that sometimes work faster. But let's say if you don't have those available or they don't work or additionally you want to use something herbal, there is this famous Chinese formula, Yunnan Payao it's called it's in pill form you can buy it in a, in a chinese herb shop and it's very effective it contains the herb sun chi or sometimes tian chi and um it's a very effective herb to stop bleeding and many midwives that i know that work with home births or um yeah with women outside of the hospital uh, use it and have it in their birth kit uh, just as an extra and as a backup and um, yeah, in the right dose, this can stop bleeding effectively. I mean, pretty much all astringent herbs stop bleeding. You know, even the turmeric that you have in your kitchen or shepherd's purse is another one. Like any good astringent from Ayurveda, we have the herb Ashoka. Those are all things, I don't know if they have been used much. You know, I never heard of uh, turmeric being used for- I've never heard turmeric, but I've heard shepherd's purse. Yeah, exactly. So shepherd's purse is the more traditional European herb for that. But this could all work, you know, in a, in a situation where you don't have anything else on hands, just think about astringents that are often hemostats, you know, even um, cinnamon, for example, is a good hemostat. And uh, yeah, those things could work. But I would, you know, for the birth kit for the midwifery bag, I would have the Yunnan Payao or the Qianxi in some form. Uh, this herb from Chinese medicine, which is very effective in stopping bleeding, and it can be used together with uh, other pharmaceuticals. You know, if you have your um, your injections and everything already going, but you want some extra, yeah, you can use those herbs together. Also, yeah, That's are they as fast are they as fast acting as some of the injectables? Because I know a lot of even home yeah. birth midwives will carry pitocin and inject yeah. it if there's a problem. Are the herbs as fast acting? Yeah, yeah, the herbs, the, those are as, as fast act, acting. I mean, let's say, yeah, 20 minutes, of course, if you inject something directly into the bloodstream, it's always faster than taking something. But 20 minutes is really fast. Yeah, it's pretty fast. It's pretty fast. The problem is the dose, you know, it's not like one capsule, but uh, this formula, Yunnan Payao, it comes in a blister package with like maybe 10 to 12 pills, and maybe you need the whole package in that case. But those are also herbs that are very safe. It's not a danger of overdosing or like they don't have any side effects in high doses. So uh, just going with a pretty high dose immediately would be a good Like strategy. if you have a history of um, hemorrhaging after birth, then you could, you know, minute babies out, you could take, start taking things. I know some midwives yeah, um, yeah. will do Pitocin just as a precaution. And I, yeah. and I, I mean, yeah. I'm not a midwife, but I just wondered, and the thinking behind um, pumping the mom full of stuff just in case. And it's then you don't know if the body, if she really did need it or not. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. I mean, I don't, uh, that's true. I mean, I don't know the Yunnan Payao, you know, you could definitely wait and just assume everything's going to go fine. And when you see the first signs of uh, uh, stronger bleeding that you want to stop, you could take it. You could take it 
preventively because yeah it doesn't have any yeah. any side effects yeah sure some some women take a strong nettle infusion like nettles also give you those minerals and have a bit this astringent quality so this can also help uh to prevent the bleeding and it's maybe a bit a milder uh remedy that mm-hmm. yeah just well, use more really prevention cool to- it's really cool to know that there are other options because some people are very opposed to using Pitocin at all. And sometimes, yeah. you know, the bleeding can't be stopped and you need, you need help. So this is cool to know that there's so many powerful herbs that can help. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So how about, um, I know <laughs> this is a personal experience. Don't use, I guess it's cramp bark. Don't use cramp bark too much for your afterbirth pains because you can cause another hemorrhage three days later. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the afterbirth pains were so bad and they got bad, worse with every baby that by the end I was losing my mind and I was taking this tincture and I, I guess my midwife forgot to tell me not to take it too often and I was taking it because it was the only thing relieving and then just the bleeding yeah. was not stopping days after. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I would combine it. You know, what helps with the cramps is also kind of to get through it faster and to help the uterus contract so even something like shepherd's purse tincture or tea would help and you can combine that so you have the astringent action from the shepherd's purse that helps just the uterus to do its job faster and become small again and uh, that's what the body tries to do Mm -hmm. and that's why the body produces those cramps and the cramp bark just for the momentarily uh, relief you know just need a break yeah, I mean, the, oh man, I was like, I'd rather have a baby than, <laughs> than in some ways they were more painful than labor. So yeah, oh, yeah. it's hard, but yeah, that was my, that's always my warning. Don't, don't, you know, don't yeah. snuggle up to that cramp bark too hard. Yeah. <laughs> we could try, you know, we have other uh, herbs for pain, like willow bark, mm. which salicylates, you know, like in aspirin, aspirin was actually uh, invented uh, based on the salicylates in willow bark. And herbs like meadowsweet is another one that has salicylate. So, or meadowsweet herb or the willow bark, you can buy this, make a tea, and it helps to stop the pain. And it doesn't have those side effects. It doesn't have a relaxing or an effect like this. It just treats the pain, let's say. Yeah. Wow, that's really cool. So, <laughs> so aspirin is kind of a medicinal, I mean, it's kind of an herb itself, right? Yeah. I mean, it is tweaked in the lab, the molecule. Yeah. You know, it's not really, and so these salicylates in the willow bark, they don't have the usual side effects of aspirin. You know, they don't cause any tummy issues or uh, thin the blood too much or something. They, they don't have the side effects of the pharmaceutical, but they are also effective in the high enough dose. And you can, can combine those, you know, maybe you can use less of the cramp bark combined with the willow bark. You get a better effect. You don't need so much of the cramp bark. And add the shepherd's purse tea in to help the uterus, you know, contract and do its work. And that's a good, sounds like a good combination. Yeah. Hmm, Interesting. Okay. So how about breastfeeding? What are your favorite herbs for breastfeeding? Yeah. It depends, of course, what situation uh, do we have, you know, is, um, does the woman need to increase the milk supply? Yeah. Let's start with that. Not enough milk yet. Yeah, increasing milk supply, for example, my favorites are Shatavari, is an herb from Ayurveda. It's a root, it's like an asparagus plant, it's like wild asparagus. And you can easily get that in powder form. That's also the way I would recommend it because it's a pretty mild herb, you know, probably you need substantial doses if you have capsules. Yeah, you know, there's half a gram in capsules and in powder form, you would more take like a full heaping tablespoon or even two always start with a bit less and work your way gradually into the dose it's a general uh, like a female herb it's the female herb in ayurveda it also regulates hormones and i use it a lot for menopause issues and in other phases of life but it also increases the milk it's very effective so shatavari in a good dose and my second one would be fenugreek so the fenugreek seeds you can just soak them and then eat them or grind them make a tea put them in your food and also pretty much just use the dose that works. You know, fenugreek is also uh, a kitchen spice. It doesn't have um, side effects or, or anything. So I, yeah, I see problems, you know, if, if women think, okay, maybe half a teaspoon is enough, but uh, it's maybe more like three teaspoons that would do mm. the job. You know? So yeah. So are there- in the dose, it helps, yeah. So are there um, herbs that help bring the milk faster? 
Some... Yeah, this is the second thing, exactly. If you have to help more with the letdown, like there is enough milk supply, but the letdown reflects, you know, the, the mom has to just relax a bit more while she's breastfeeding and the milk has to flow better. So then we would use a relaxing herb, like for example, poppy seed. I like this a lot for this situation. It can also increase a bit the milk supply. So it, it helps, yeah, probably more just helping with the letdown reflex, but it's also a very known herb for milk supply. So yeah, poppy seed, you can make a tea, just take a tablespoon of the poppy seeds you can find them in the supermarket. You know, here in Europe, it's also a very common baking ingredient that people bake mm -hmm. uh, poppy seed muffins and, and all that. So it's also very mild, very food-like, has some beneficial oils and yeah, very healthy. So you can take that and it just brings your notch down and relaxes mm -hmm. you and also help you sleep better. And it treats pain also very effectively. Yeah. <laughs> Oh yeah, it's a great relaxing herb. That is cool. So yeah. and and then so like my milks, my milk doesn't come in until like three, sometimes four days after, and my baby is just screaming, hungry. The classroom is not enough. So are there any herbs that bring in the milk faster? Yeah, I would I would use those. You know, I would like, then Same really thing. take the shatavari, fenugreek, mm -hmm. and make sure to take some poppy seeds just before. Uh, the nursing times uh, so those the poppy seed is more like short-term acting you know you take it and you get the effect like 20 minutes after for an hour or so or two hours and the shatavar fenugreek you would just take three times a day to just, just take leave. it as keep your supply yeah. so yeah. I don't know if you can speak to this but I know there's uh sometimes nursing problems like the letdown reflex is very painful or the letdown reflex causes anger or anxiety in the mom and she actually yeah. has to stop breastfeeding because of that reaction is that something that could be treated with herbs yeah definitely and it's it's also poppy seed for me. Poppy like, seed. Poppy seed, yeah. It just, it just would don't relax. go in for a drugs test. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, you know, this is, it's, it's a mild herb, you know, people think, uh, yeah, it contains opioids or whatever, but, you know, I always say it's the difference between white sugar and a beetroot, you know, if we talk about the, mm. the opioids, we're talking about white sugar. And if we talk about the herb poppy seed, it's the beetroot, you know, it's like a natural it's a plant, it has oils, it has, it's not an isolated constituent, you know, we're not talking about a pharmaceutical that could have any side effects or build up in your blood or cause dependency or all those known problems of the opiates is this has nothing to do and has absolutely not occurring with the poppy seed. This is a common uh, thank you for the, yeah, thank yeah. you for the clarification. That's why we have to talk to herbalists, not Dr. Yeah. Google. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I want to talk about, I want to ask you then about comfrey because it's kind of, um, it's kind of controversial. My midwife um, had me use it on my tear um, on the, the sutures. And I thought it was amazing. But when I read on the internet, you know, ah, scary, scary, scary. Yeah. Yeah. So what's the truth on comfrey? So comfrey, the root, if you would make a tea of the root, it does contain those pyrolizidin alkaloids. So those, if you take it over time, you know, taking one time a tea of comfrey root, it's also in the leaf, but way less, you know, so mainly we're talking about the root here. So if you would make a tea of the root and drink this every day in high doses, there is the potential for liver toxicity. So this could be damaging to your liver. Yeah, yeah she wasn't using the root. She was using the, exactly. the uh, leaf. Mm -hmm. And you used it externally. So this is no problem at all. Like zero, absolutely no problem at all. If you would make a tea of the comfrey leaves, yes, you would still have some tiny little amount of those alkaloids that we want to avoid generally, but also comfrey leaf has traditionally been used in pregnancy, before, after, in general. It's a great nourishing herb, lots of minerals and great benefit for many situations. So I would be fine with using the comfrey leaf internally in some situations and kind of monitoring the situation. But if you're not comfortable with that because of all the warnings, I can also totally understand. But making a salve out of the comfrey or putting the leaf directly on your skin on your tear uh this is absolutely no problem like great uh, it's not a significant amount of those pyrolizidin alkaloids that gets absorbed through the skin i mean this you know there is no known reported case that this actually happened you know this is an absolutely theoretical problem 
and has never caused any mm. any real problems in real life of the topic. So kind of, it's a fear of something that hasn't even happened yet. So, yeah. how many people could be uh, helped with comfrey, but the fear? Yeah. Okay, so uh, what about um, you? You mentioned salves, so then that I thought varicose veins, both legs and otherwise, or stretch marks, or what kind of you know um, herbs would be great for salves for skin issues. And circulation, I guess. Yeah, you know, most thing, things, even if we have the idea, we could um, best put something on it, on the skin for varicose veins. Actually, internal treatments are way more effective. Like for varicose veins, this would be that you eat blueberries, bilberries, actually all like blue, red, and purple fruits that have those... Um, those flavonoids that help repair the veins and strengthen the veins. So those are way more effective. And uh, we have some good astringents also for the, for the veins, like the horse chestnut or other things. You would have to double check kind of in pregnancy in what stage and what dose you would be taking this. So don't self-prescribe those things, but you definitely can incre increase your consumption of the blue and red purple uh, berries and fruits. And yeah, topically, varicose veins, honestly, yeah, there is nothing that can um, really help. I mean, witch hazel extract or hydrolet, witch hazel hydrolet or something like that could give you a mild benefit maybe. And yeah, general, you know, for, for the body and skin and all that, I recommend that pregnant um, women or also before pregnancy that you do a nice oil massage every day. This is also mm. true. It's called Abhyanga. So this is a daily self-massage, like full body oil massage. This is very soothing and nourishing. This actually treats also the nerves and anxiety. You know, it can really regulate many bodily functions. So this is also not just a treatment for the skin, but of course it keeps the skin nice and moist and, and the elasticity, elasticity and, all, and all that. You could just use some plain olive oil, coconut oil, almond oil, whatever you have. You can infuse some herbs into this oil. You know, maybe you have some lavender growing outside and you can pick the flowers, let them dry maybe for a day and cut them up a bit, a bit and then put them into the olive oil, let it steep for maybe three weeks to four weeks and then strain it. And you have a beautiful smelling, relaxing uh, body massage oil that you can use on a daily basis. And yeah, this is going to give you wow, many benefits. cool. Okay, so just really quick then, how do you feel about essential oils? Because you're saying infusing, could yeah. you use essential oils and add those? Yeah, you could, yeah. I mean, yeah, it, I think it's really more interesting, you know, to infuse the all, whole herb into an oil yeah. in the way that I just uh, described because the essential oil is also just a part of the plant. So you get a wider spectrum of the plant if you infuse the whole plant. But of course, essential oils are very potent extracts and there are some you would have to avoid in pregnancy, uh, but like lavender and all those in a certain dose, you know, you mm -hmm. can definitely put a couple of drops, drops into your body oil or um, yeah, just smell it or yeah, I think it's a nice, a nice way for relaxation. Wow. Awesome. Okay. So tell me, um, what is the, uh, what is the best way somebody can reach out to you or start learning about this? I mean, herbal medicine just feels really overwhelming. I grew up with it and it's still overwhelming to me. It's just so unknown. People don't use it. There's so much fear surrounding, like we talked about the cohashes and the <laughs> comfrey and there's so much conflicting advice. So how do people get in touch with you and how do they find reputable sources for their herbal medicine or herbal yeah. information? Yeah, sure. Yeah, people can have a look at my website. It's herbalhelp.net. Herbalhelp.net. And uh, yeah, I, I offer my one-on-one -on -one consult consultations online. I have some packages there. I have a podcast also. It's called Down to Earth Herbalism with Tamara. I have actually, my first three episodes are about pregnancy-related herbs and things. So that's a good way to listen to those and all kinds of other, um, other subjects like anxiety, sleep, and yeah, all the areas where herbs really shine uh and can help so yeah i have a youtube channel herbal help by tamara 
where I sometimes show the things that are more visual, you know, like how to prepare the herbs in the correct way, how they how do they look and how do you take them. So this would be a way. But of course, for most um, problems in pregnancy, you know, people come to me because they uh, don't want to take their allergy medication in pregnancy and mm. they want. Oh, that's a good question. Yeah, yeah. allergies. Exactly. So all kinds of, or maybe they have anxiety and they don't want to get started on a pharmaceutical. If they're already taking one, it's, you know, they're in the hands of their doctor. That's usually between them and their doctor. But if they have a new issue arising in pregnancy that they do not want to resolve with conventional pharmaceuticals, uh, yeah, it's good to talk uh, to somebody who knows about herbs and to get a really personalized um, program for the individual person. I love that you can help someone anywhere in the world. They just can book on your site and you you can have a personal one-on-one appointment. That is so cool. Awesome. Okay. Well, thank you so much. Is there anything else that we missed? I mean, wow. I feel like you could, we could write a book just (laughs) we talked about. Is there anything else that we forgot to talk about? Gosh, yeah. I'm just thinking, no. I mean, Um, I guess there's the, uh, the menopausal stuff we could go into. uh, We could do a whole nother recording for female hormones otherwise huh yeah let me just mention yeah there is a class of herbs you know we call them adaptogens or in ayurveda like tonic herbs or something like that you know those are herbs that are be are used to balance the hormones and uh, the the immune system to give you strength and energy some of those um, your listeners might have heard like ashwagandha or rhodiola those also, you will find some uh, warnings or conflicting information. But, you know, for example, ashwagandha has, has definitely been taken in India by pregnant women since hundreds of years. Of course, we don't have modern scientific studies that really prove that it's safe to take. We have those same problem in this, in this area. But those are herbs, you know, if after birth, um, if you know your hormones were already unbalanced before you had PMS or menstrual problems, uh, this, or you have increased risk for postpartum depression or other things that are hormonal, hormonally related. I often work with those herbs in this adaptogen category. And yeah, this is also a good way to prepare the body. For example, if you are trying to conceive and you could choose, there are many, there are many more, ashwagandha, rhodiola is an example, but there are many more. Some of them address also anxiety or sleep problems. So those are very safe, non-toxic and tonifying herbs that give us the strength and can regulate our hormones. So yeah, just to mention that, that there's, that we have this option, very powerful herbs. Awesome. Wow. Thank you so much. I really, really appreciate this. This has been, I've enjoyed this very much. I wish I could honestly do more episodes and go super, super deep. I want to know (laughs) all the things, but thank you so much. Thank you, Sarah. It was really fun. Thank you so much. Please visit us at birthcircle.com, join our Facebook groups, or find us on Instagram and Pinterest. We hope you'll use our resources to support your birthing experience.